What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Check the Kick podcast found on SureDog.com. Pretty dope website. I like it. Hope you guys do too. Um, kind of a meh, weirdish weekend um, of combat sports. Uh, PFL was pretty cool. Some good finishes there. Um, I guess you could say it was highlighted with the Nate Diaz, Jake Paul thing. Um, I'm not going to break that down. If you, if you're listening to this, that's probably not your cup of tea. I did watch it just because if something interesting happened, I would cover it. Um, of course, Jake Paul beats Nate Diaz. Um, decent, decent weekend all around, but again, you know, nothing to write home about. Um, we'll go ahead and start the show off with the first segment out with the old and to start, we're going to start with San Hagen versus Font. Um, San Hagen dominant, dominant decision win over Rob Font. Um, 50-45s on all the scorecards, and it kind of wasn't even close. Um, but it was also kind of boring. Um, Dana left during the fourth round. Dana walked out and left, so that kind of tells you how he felt about it. Um, Corey Sanhagen. Just completely out wrestled Rob Font. Um, supposedly he tore his tricep in the first round at some point. He even posted on his social media his elbow was like all blown up, all terrible looking. And then he posted again today, I believe I saw. Um, I'm recording this Monday, August 7th. This will be out for you guys Tuesday the 8th. And he stated that he's gonna have surgery later this week, that he did tear his his uh tricep. Sorry. Um so he he did what he was what he had to do to win the fight. Shout out to him. He showed up, you know, in front of a big crowd, late notice opponent. And apparently all the wrestling he trained and practiced for Umar Namagomedov <laughs> just went into this fight with Font. His entries are maybe not the cleanest entries, but he times things very well. Um, Sanhagen is a fighter with just very, very good timing. And a lot of people are shitting on him. And, and yes, it was boring and you know, and I believe it was in the fourth round. He had he was kind of hunting that Darce and Rob Font was playing jujitsu off his back very well. He was looking to hip escape and things like that, but nothing really ever came to fruition for him. Um, and Sanhagen will start to implement, you know, more ground and pound and more submission hunting as he gets better. But this is a dude that's like a title contender right out uh, right outside of you know fringe title contention gets a super big win and is fighting for a title and not many dudes at that level are adding new wrinkles to their game um like Sanhagen is and like he he's now showing that he can wrestle he out wrestled he out wrestled Cheeto and now he completely out wrestled Font unfortunately for Font this may be something that other opponents will try to do to him now and against all the dudes in the top of 135 that's going to be tough Sorry, I'm already drinking on the mic and drinking on camera. Um, but when you see it, Bantamweight is full of dudes that can scramble their asses off. Even known strikers like Sean O'Malley, if you go back and look at his fight with Petrion, he's hitting Gramby rolls and shit like that. Rob Font was conceding the takedown right away and then becoming like an active guard player off of his back. And maybe that'll work in higher weight classes, maybe even at like lightweight, you know, and everything above there, you can kind of, do that a little bit more, but people at Bantamweight, everybody is just so good and so well-rounded that you need to be like initiating scrambles. Like you, you need to be addressing shit right away. As soon as that, as soon as he enters on your hips, you need to be scrambling and not conceding the back. He did look good off of his back as far as you know, mitigating damage and stuff like that. San Hagen also stated in, in his social media post that he uh was kind of concerned about his arm so that's why he wasn't able to do um tons of, of ground strikes elbows he was looking for it but he wasn't able to do it um and i'm not mad at him for coming out being a and just doing what he had to do to win he said you know this is an mma fight i'm gonna do whatever i've got to do to win these fights you can't be mad at that um and Corey sanding has got such a like just so many dope knockouts that like spinning heel kick on Marlon Marias, the jump knee on Frankie, like he's done a lot 
for us as fans and as viewers of the sport. So we can kind of take this one on the chin. We can take a dominant wrestling performance. Again, you know, his takedown entries are not the best, but time perfectly was cutting an angle, his single leg, his ability to, to bait Rob in and to, to make Rob font, you know, kind of try to crush the space. He'll take the back foot, let Rob come in and then immediately shoot that, that low single. That was nice. Like his entries are fast as shit. They're timed. Well, I mean, am I here for him to perform like that over and over again? No, but this is him showing us that he's continually advancing his game and he's young. He's is he the most well-rounded bantamweight right now? Maybe. Like, and this is this fight was very interesting. You know, people, we always say, like, the two wrestlers that, two grapplers make it a striking match, you know, and have a shitty kickboxing match. Kind of like, you know, Askren and Maya or something like that. But this is the exact opposite. This is two pretty good strikers, you know, turning it into a grappling match. So I just thought that was funny. And Sandhagen's, Plan B is not bad. Like, and he said, if if he can, if there are guys that that are you know gonna be dangerous striking opponents for him that he can out wrestle, he's gonna do it. If, if he can out wrestle all the strike strikers and then out strike all the wrestlers, he's he's you know in it. Unfortunately, his fight with Aljamain was Aljamain just walking him down, taking him down, taking his back, and sque- squeezing his head off. I think if they replayed that fight, it may go a little bit differently. Um, but I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I think Aljo is going to probably beat O'Malley and dip out if that's what happens. And, and a performance like this does make the future of the division um, pretty interesting. And it doesn't really give Sanhagen too many favors. He's probably going to be stuck in another fight like this with someone like Umar Namagomedov and you know that does kind of suck for him but at the same time it just it is what it is um coming off of a coming off of a short notice replacement you did 50 45 him but I think he was ranked like two or three in the division maybe three and Font was ranked back at number seven um and this is just going to be a hard sell uh for Sanhagen, he said after the fight, I'm going to, uh, I'm going, was it in Boston? I'm going to be at the next pay-per-view. I will be there. I'm, I want the winner of Sean O'Malley and I want the winner. I want the winner of Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling. But dude, you, you're, you've got, a, you've got a fight booked with the surgeon. <laughs> like you're not going to be fighting anyone there probably and unfortunately and i don't think i don't think he earns this with this performance based off the ufc he's probably gonna have to turn around and fight umar again whenever umar is ready i know umar is coming off that shoulder injury and then now he's gonna be coming off of that uh he's gonna be coming off of that tricep injury um either way it was it was a good performance for him he did what he needed to do to win the fight and, and that's all we could really ask for honestly um from these guys again you know he showed up did what he's supposed to do he got his money is he going to be earning a, a fight of the night bonus of some sort for this fight absolutely not but he, he takes win takes win money and holds his spot in the rankings awesome for him um for rob font i'm not sure what's next for him uh he was supposed to fight song yadong maybe rebook that you know, he had those two pretty brutal losses prior to that knockout one of Adrian Yana's, and then now he's back in the losing column. So he's, you know, unfortunately kind of stuck in the same place again. And he's getting older. I believe he's 36. Um, I could totally be wrong. I believe he's 36 years old. He's he's not fighting for a title, you know? So, yeah, either way, he, he makes fun fights. Rob Font makes tons of fun fights. Um, and I love to watch Rob Font fight. Moving on to the next fight that I want to talk about. This is a guy that was coming off of a couple losses that may or may not have gone his way. And we're going to talk about Dustin Jacoby knocking out in the first round, knocks out Kennedy. Let's see if I can nail this. Kennedy and Zachukwu. I'm only going to say it once. I think I got it. If I got it right, tell me in the comments. If I didn't, send me to hell. Um, 
Justin Jacoby looked good here. His timing looked good. His counterpunching looked good. It was a pretty short fight. Um, kind of a weird performance and weird strategy um, for someone like Kennedy, in my opinion. Someone that is uh, more of a... Kennedy seems to be a slow starter. He seems to be a guy that he gets hurt in every one of his fights. Look at all of his fights. He, you know, Olberg's hurt him. Devin Clark's hurt him. Everybody hurts Kennedy and Zuchuku. I'll say it again. Um, everybody hurts this guy. And for a guy that continuously gets hurt in all of his fights, I don't, I didn't love his idea of coming and really just pressuring Jacoby, a guy that's so slick, a guy that has good straight punches, a guy that has good kicks, a guy that can fight off the back foot. I understand wanting to go out there and get him out of there, but who has knocked out Jacoby? Mirzakhanov hurt him a little bit, but he was still through, still there through him through. And I think Mirzakhanov is definitely a smaller dude, but he's definitely faster and more athletic than uh, Enzichuku. And beautiful read by Jacoby. He takes the, he's getting pressured. Kennedy's pressuring him, pressuring him, pressuring him, trying to flood him with offense, trying to hurt him. And Jacoby takes a shot, gets on the back foot, gets pressed against the cage, takes a shot, eats the shot, and then just fires a beautiful right hand straight down the pipe, drops Kennedy. And I love in the replay, you could see Jacoby, you know, guards kind of up, weathers the shot. And then just fires a straight, straight number two, straight down the pipe, snapping Kennedy's head back, sends him crumbling to the ground. Um, he jumps on him, hits him with a couple shots. Ref stops it. Kennedy was like still kind of there. And a lot of people were thinking it's an early stoppage. I'm on the fence with it. Like I'm okay with the stoppage. And I could also see the argument for it being an early stoppage. However, when you like, when you're, shelled up on the ground just taking shots like what move is that just shelling up and taking shots is not a defensive it's not defensive there's not much you can do um so whether whether he took a, a bunch of more shots or he, he you know maybe rolled and gave his back i don't know how much better it was going to end for him um and i'm glad jacoby got got this when he I feel like he needs a win maybe a little bit more than Kennedy at that point. Um, Kennedy's always going to be one of those dudes that's like a fringe top 15 guy, big, huge guy. I always talk about the biggest dudes at light heavyweight being like Johnny Walker and now Alex Pereira, but Kennedy's right up there. The dude's like 6'5 with over 80 inch reach. He's fucking gigantic. Um, and Jacoby, I, I love his game. He's going to always have these close fights every once in a while he'll, he'll club he'll club somebody like the Don Jung fight or like this fight here where he he's tactful he's sharp he's smart he doesn't wilt under pressure um he's not a big power puncher and he's not the most athletic or most fast dude but his his ability to fight off the front foot and fight off the back foot his ability to find counter punches when he's getting you know shots when he's getting hurt with stuff his ability to stay composed is all fun to watch and his striking style is going to, you know, lead him to have a ton of close fights. I mean, the, the dude fought Alex Pereira in kickboxing. Jacoby's an OG. He's such a lengthy career in MMA, such a lengthy career in kickboxing. He's, he's calling for someone ahead of him in the rankings. I'm okay with that. Alonzo Menafield, I think is like just a, a hair ahead of him. Um, I'm okay with a fight like that. He, he deserves to be moved along. And I, like his Khalil Roundtree fight, I love Khalil Roundtree. We're actually going to talk about him later. Um, he beat Khalil Roundtree. He kind of got effed there in that one. Sorry, guys. I'm clearly dehydrated. Um, he and in a fight with in a fight with someone like Alonzo Menafield. Alonzo Menafield is a big powerhouse dude that's going to come barreling forward. And Jacoby is going to have to use his back foot. He's going to have to fight off the back foot. He's going to have to use his tactfulness. He's going to have to use his skill. His vision is great. His Again, his ability to see that shot coming and 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 fire. I also like if, um, if Anthony Smith beats Ryan Spann again. I know he won't fight Anthony Smith because they're both teammates. However, um, if, you were to, if he were to uh, beat him 
if, if Span loses to Smith, if Anthony Smith does beat him again, I actually don't think Smith's going to beat him again because Smith looks like he's fell off a cliff. But if if uh, if Smith beats Span, I like Jacoby versus Span. I think that's a fun fight also. Um, so yeah, march the dude up. Give give him a shot up in the rankings. I think he got 50k for this. I actually didn't didn't look up the bonuses. I got busy on Saturday night and I just have not had the time to look up the bonuses. But I'm sure he got a 50k bonus for that fight. Um, and and great on him. He looks great. Shout out to Jacoby. All right, guys, moving on to the final fight. We're gonna shoot over to PFL because I thought this was. Probably the best performance on the whole weekend. Um, Jesus Pinedo knocks out Bubba Jenkins. And quite honestly, this fight was like a one-sided dropping. Um, he beat the shit out of Bubba. In the first round, his takedown defense looked good. He was fighting underhooks against the cage. There was there was a, a moment where uh, Bubba shot in for a takedown. He fought the takedown, got his legs really wide, made his base really heavy. Then got the underhooks, kind of spun Bubba around and crushed him with a knee on the break. Um, his uh, forward pressure was great. His foot, um, his, his foot footwork was great. His ability to kind of cut the cage off and just walk Bubba down. Um, Bubba never earned Pinedo's respect at all during this fight. Um, I, I really liked what Pinedo was doing. The southpaw jab was giving Bubba a lot of problems. Just him being a long, lengthy southpaw with power was kind of really, really messing with with Bubba. Um, Jesus also came in as the fourth, the fourth uh, seed in this, and it's crazy. This dude need Brendan Lochnane in his in his um, in this fight in his previous fight. He lost against Braga, who is he? Who is now? He's going to be facing in the finals for the million bucks. This dude came in as a replacement, had was like a plus twelve hundred underdog or some crazy ass number. Kills Brennan Lochnane, number one seed, and then goes to the next number one seed and 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 just knocks out Bubba. And this dude's like a Terminator. He's like a Peruvian Terminator. He's awesome. Um, this fight was. Just again, super, super one-sided. He his straight punches. I love what he did. Was he would pressure Bubba, he would pressure Bubba, throw teeps, throw teeps, throw jabs, throw his straight left was just hurting Bubba over and over again. Um, he dropped them bad in the first with the straight left. He would hurt Bubba with straight punches, pressure him against the cage, and then throw furies, flurries. Sorry, throw flurries of just like hooks and combinations but everything was built off of the straight punching which i really really like it was just i mean even as if like he got taken down in the second round and it looked like he was getting tired nope got back up there was there was a sequence in the second round where he stabbed bubba with a teep kick caused bubba to kind of keel over a little bit and then just threw that straight left out of the southpaw stance and just crushed him um Everything he hit Bubba with hurt him. Like everything. This dude's got a lot of power and he looks good. It's funny because he, he has two fights in the UFC. Um, one of them was a win, one of them was a loss. And then he kind of went on his way and was like on the Peruvian regional scene for a little bit. And then he got, you know, brought into the PFL and now he's beat their two best dudes at featherweight. He missed weight by one pound in this fight, which is kind of a, uh, he had to cut his hair and he still missed it. So, his fight with Brendan Lochnane, he needed to um, win. I think it was like via finish based off their point system. I can't keep up with the PFL's point system. I think it's way too much of a headache. Um, I think that they need to be having these fights like tournament bracket style. They've incorporated way too much bullshit um, into the sport of MMA. That's already way too crazy. That's just my opinion. Um, you guys might like it. If you do, cool. If you don't, cool too. But um, I think he like needed a finish or he needed to win like all three rounds against Lochnane knocks him out in the first round beats at Chris Wade's time. And then in this fight, he was starting already with, I like what PFL is doing to where if you miss weight, you automatically lose a point on the scorecards. I think that should just be universal. And depending on, you know, how bad your weight misses, you need to forfeit part of your purse and then also possibly, you know, lose that point. I like that, you know, one pound, one point, two pounds, you know, whatever, whatever the athletic commission can figure out. But I do think fighters missing weight, should be penalized a little bit more. Didn't matter though. 
like the first round was a 10 eight in my opinion. So whatever you scored a nine, eight second round was on the way to being a 10 eight. Bubba just got crumbled. And there was moments where like, I don't even know how Bubba hung tough for so long to be quite honest. Like he was just getting the shit beat out of him. I, again, Pinedo's straight shots to set up his counter punching was freaking beautiful. His knees mixing in his knees. I, I love that he throws knees. His Muay Thai is just fucking vicious. He's a vicious kickboxer. He's got good takedown defense. And now he's going to be facing Braga, which is the dude that he lost to. And it was a via split decision. This guy was just, he's like the Rocky of the PFL, the Peruvian Rocky. He's a Terminator. Um, Everything he does just seems good. He seems to really have turned a corner. I like him bald. He shaved his head. It looks, he just, he seems to be just like such a menacing dude. And I wish PFL would put a little bit more behind guys like this. You know, they, I, I went on to ESPN plus, um, was it last night to just retape studying and rewatch this fight again. And like the whole PFL banner was just Shane Burgos. And it's like, this dude just he killed Brendan Lochning, killed Bubba Jenkins. Like, let's put some promotion behind this. PFL has always been really confusing for me about who they put their machines behind, their money machines and their marketing machines behind. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if they're long for this. Hopefully they are for all their fighters, but the way that they, the way that they do stuff is definitely pretty interesting. Um, but keep an eye out for this guy. Jesus Pinedo, he's, you know, everything he did was good in this fight. He did not respect Bubba. And he's just violence everywhere. Clinch breaks, violent. On the front foot, violent. He's going to walk you down. He's going to take your best shots. Bubba hit him with a couple. There's like a check left hook that Bubba hit him with. Unfazed, just unbothered. And I, I love that. Um, He's just going to bite down and rely on his grit. And if you go back and look at his record, like he's got six losses. But a lot of the losses, um, a lot of the losses, you know, were were quite a while ago um and then the one loss in the ufc was like via decision so like he's not getting like brutally finished there's one finish he has on his record that's like nine seconds in the first round or something like that but again that's a while ago i think that was like in 2014 um the kid's got a bright future he's young i would love to see him win um win the million dollar tournament just because i think it would be um incredible and his his split decision loss to Braga and then the violent knockout of Lochnane and then the violent knockout of Bubba is better than Braga's run um, up to this spot. He should probably be a favorite. And he was an underdog again. Bubba was like a minus 325 favorite going into this. And my God, when are we going to respect this Peruvian guy? He's he's just, again, if you love violence, you love forward pressing, forward pressure strikers, guys that are going to get on the front foot and just, you know, let them fly. This is the guy for you. Shout out to him. He was awesome. And just to kind of wrap up this past Saturday night, um, shout out to Billy Quarantillo. His fight with Damon Jackson was awesome. Um, shout out to Cody Durden, uh, a brawl with Hadley. I decided to break that fight down for you guys. I didn't cover it um, just because I really wanted to give uh, Pinedo some shine, but Cody Durden and, and Hadley, that was a great fight. Um, Durden was caught like in a super deep arm bar and he gritted through um, he had, I think it was either a Darce or a Ninja Choke that he had on Hadley. Um, Jeremiah Wells fought the funniest fight ever and got put to sleep by Carlson Harris. And then uh, Impa Kasanganai. Guys, go back and watch that fight. Um, Impa Kasanganai, the dude that was a viral knockout down at 170, um, is now, I mean, he got literally put on a, a forever highlight reel by Joaquin Buckley. And then is now up at two Oh five, just throwing beautiful combinations and crushing dudes. Um, and he's on the big things in the PFL. So keep an eye on him books. I'm going to, he's, he's great. Moving on to the next segment of the show, what's hot. And there are rumors and posts on social media. And it's really looking like we are finally going to get Israel versus Sean Strickland. Um, what a weird, weird circumstances, um, weird how the Duplessis thing kind of went away and Sean Strickland is kind of getting pushed into this place. I'm happy for Sean Strickland, to be honest with you guys, like the, the dude has fought, you know, his, his last opponent, um, Abus, Abuspian, Abus, 
Abu Supian. Think that's right what I said. But like he's fought dudes behind him on the rankings. He's fought dudes on short notice. He's looked good at middleweight. And really his his only his only blemish is getting knocked out by Alex Pereira, who was the champion that also knocked out Israel. And his loss to Jared Cannonier. I don't even think he lost that fight. I think he beat Cannonier. I scored that fight for him. Um and he's gonna be a pretty big underdog against Izzy. But um, if you thought the moment with Izzy and Duplessis in the cage was bad, so you could, that's exactly what's going to happen with Izzy and Strickland because Strickland is going to go, he's already been calling him like a Chinese champion and um, I'm not going to get into it, but I think if you're listening to this, you should go look up um, some of the Israel's pre-fight stuff. Um especially when he was a kickboxer, you know, over in China fighting on their circuit. And then all the stuff he said about Robert Whitaker, um, Sean Strickland is going to be a guy that's not going to be bothered by this. Like Duplessis was and Sean Strickland will play with fire and he will poke the bear and be ready for Israel to be angry, seething at Sean Strickland and Sean Strickland to just laugh it off. Um, we are going to get so many viral moments of their pre-fight press conference. Sean Strickland is going to let this dude have it. Um, Israel is going to try to give it back as best as possible, but the angrier he gets, the more corny he gets. And I think it's funny. Um, I don't think it was good what he said about Duplessis. I think that was a pretty bad look, and I'd be surprised if Puma wants to sponsor him still after that, but that's just my take on it. Um, As far as X's and O's, until the fight gets fully booked, um, I'm not going to break it down for you guys. Again, Sean Strickland's probably like a, a, a plus 400 underdog, and as, as he should be, he's probably going to lose. But I'm happy he's going to get the payday. It is on short notice. I think there was visa issues. Sean Strickland posted on his Instagram story last night. By the time you guys hear this, it's probably already going to be gone because those only last 24 hours. But it was him. He looked like he was in good shape. And he basically stated, hey, I'm happy that I'm only at 216 pounds right now. I'm in shape. And that's what's nice about having a fast turnaround is that I'm already in shape. And I typically weigh like 230 outside of camp. Um, sorry, I need to take a sip again. But um, it, it seems like, you know, everything is pointed to this. It, it seems like it's going to happen. There's really no other contenders for Izzy at the moment with Duplessis being out. And... Sean Strickland's going to sell the shit out of this fight. It's going to be funny. It's going to be entertaining. The fight will probably... He will probably get Israel so mad that Israel will probably go out there and try to do what he did to Paulo Costa. Um, We may see something interesting. He said that he was going to do a TikTok dance on his grave when he fights him. Um, Take that as you will. (laughs) But... um, it's funny because uh, Sean Strickland is a 14-year-old boy trapped in a man's body, and so is Israel. <laughs> so um, they are going to uh, butt heads so much. And I'm kind of surprised that there already isn't stuff about this. And again, this is still in negotiations, but it seems to me from what I'm seeing, it's probably about 85% sure. It's only in like five weeks at this point, though. Um the UFC in Australia, I think, is like only five weeks away. So this is super short notice. Um, again, Izzy seems like a guy. Izzy doesn't have to cut a lot of weight to make middleweight. And knowing Izzy and and what I know personally about both of these two fighters, tit for tat when it comes to their skills, Izzy doesn't need a big-time training camp for someone like Sean Strickland. And for Sean Strickland, that dude's always in the gym. He's always training. He's, again, never really out of shape. Um, you know, we, we saw him come in short notice and, and fight Imavov and beat Imavov on like two days notice in a five round fight up a weight class. So yeah, if anyone could take a short notice fight, it's Sean Strickland and you know, it'll be funny. I don't care about the fight. I actually care more about the buildup because I just think it's going to be funny. Um, you guys, if you're listening to the show, I know you've heard their, you know, no one that watches anime, I'm going to keep it light. No one that watches anime and paints his nails is going to beat me. That's uh, me rewording what Sean Strickland said. And, you know, again, the TikTok dance on your grave thing from Israel. Um, it's just going to be funny. It's going to be like a, a dumpster fire and a train crash. 
you know, when you're, when you're on the highway driving and you see a car crash and you just can't help to look like, that's what this is going to be. Um, entertainment. And that's what we like about MMA. Um, funny stuff. And I'm here for it. Uh, I'm, I was never a pro wrestling guy, but, um, outside of the fight, this is like as close to pro wrestling as you'll get. Um, but it won't be rehearsed. Be curious to see what, um, how Israel handles this too, uh, because and anytime he like kind of boils over, it's, it's funny for me. Well, guys, you made it this far. We're moving on to the final segment of the show uh, in with the new, and we're going to go ahead and look at UFC Vegas 51. I think it's 51. I can't keep up with our numbers because it's like UFC fight night, 3,495 million or yeah, they, I'm just going to call this Luque versus RDA. Vincente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Vincente Luque is slight underdog here. I just pulled these lines. He's a plus 105. Dos Anjos is coming in at, at minus 120. And um, I think the biggest part of this fight is Luque and his brain hemorrhage issue that he got in his last fight. Um, both of these dudes have fought the who's who. But if you are a Vincente Luque fan, this is something you this should be kind of alarming. Um, you know, that that knockout loss to Jeff Neal, he kind of got the shit beat out of him. Um, and then prior to that, that that decision loss to Bilal Muhammad wasn't a terrible loss, but it was kind of eye-opening for me. Um, but the Bravo choke that he got on Michael Chiesa was pretty slick. He was kind of losing th- that fight, but that that choke was sick. Um he, he he is a Bravo choke guy. Um, he also got that same choke on Tyrone Woodley. I remember that fight very, very clearly because I was uh, it was back in March of 2021, and I was uh, way up in the mountains in Island Park, Idaho, just outside of Yellowstone National Park, or going to Yellowstone National Park in the winter. Island Park's beautiful. If you're ever in the area, check it out. You probably won't because it's in the middle of BFE, but it is beautiful, and I remember watching that fight while my fiance was driving the car and I was watching on my phone. Um, he's, he's beat everybody. You know, the, the knockout of Randy Brown was good. The TKO stoppage of um, Nico Price was was good to split decision over Mike Perry that I actually think he lost. The, the decision lost to, to Wonder Boy was another kind of eye-opening thing. But Wonder Boy super slick, and he, he was dropping them all over the place. Um, Vincente Luque ha- has fought a lot of dudes. Moving over to RDA, this is a guy that, I mean, go look at RDA's record. This dude has literally fought everybody. Like, all the killers at 155 of his era and all the killers of welterweight in that specific era, too. You go all the way, like, this dude was fighting Habib Nurmagomedov in 2014. Beat, like, literally beat Cowboy just crazy knocked out Benson Henderson beat Nate Diaz beat Pettis. That's where he got the strap knocked out Cerrone. He lost the strap to Eddie Alvarez. And then he lost against Tony Ferguson weird fight against Tariq Safadine. You know, that was just kind of like his little easy sliding opponent. Um, triangle Neil Magny, not many dudes arm triangle Neil Magny. Um, RD is a really good topside grappler. Um, the, 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 Win over Robbie Lawler was kind of sad if you're a Robbie Lawler fan, but the loss to Cole. The dude fought Colby Covington and Kamara Usman back-to-back, and then you know who he fought after that? Kevin Lee. Beat Kevin Lee via arm triangle, but then you know who he fought after that? Leon fucking Edwards. In four fights, this dude fought Colby Covington, Kamara Usman, Kevin Lee, which is eh right now, Leon Edwards, and then Michael Chiesa. Then he beats Paul Felder via split decision. He had that short notice fight against Hanato Moicano where he kind of beat the shit out of Moicano. Then he gets knocked out by Fiziev. That knockout was late in the fit, late in the fight, kind of beginning of fifth round where he was starting to come back, and I'm kind of surprised that Fiziev pulled that out of the hat. And that was him going back down to 155. Him being so late in his career, I understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to have another resurgence, but it's just not there for him at his age. I mean, our, 
already is 38 years old now. So welterweight is the place for him. His, his last fight, he looked good against uh, Ryan Barberena. He kind of just drubbed them. Um, and this fight is is going to be pretty interesting. RDA is a smaller welterweight. Um, Vincente Luque is not the biggest welterweight either. Um, and they both do things well. Luque is definitely a guy that, as we saw in that Bilal Muhammad fight, he is a guy that can be susceptible to topside grapplers and guys that have good footwork and good pressure. Um, but he's also a pretty punishing striker. He's got big power. He really lacks head movement. Um, and I kind of agree with the odds. This is definitely like a, a pick em fight. I just kind of fear for Vincente Luque. And maybe RDA is not going to be the guy. RDA is definitely more of a nuts and bolts strike. Off of his back, um, RDA is not that great off of his back. But his top side grappling is great. Like his arm triangle, his ability to get top position, get control, pass the guard, and get into that arm triangle is something that's great. Um and and Luque's Bravo choke is something that he loves to do. He can he can slide that in at any moment as a defensive tactic um, when defending takedowns. Again, Luque's just the dude absorbs so much damage. Like his fight with Wonderboy, he got the shit kicked out of him. And his fight with Jeff Neal, Jeff Neal beat the brakes off him. The dude literally had brain hemorrhaging. He had a brain bleed after that fight. That's not good. I'm kind of surprised he's even still fighting. Again, that was a while ago. Um, it's been over a year since that happened, but still, you know, mm, that fight happened August 6th of 22. So it's going to be like a year to date. I just would hate to see him turn out like Pritchard Cologne from boxing, something like that, where, you know, it really, really impacts his future and, and his ability to to actually live a life. Um, I'm going to go with RDA as a slight favorite here. I think he is going to be able to kind of he's not as big and i don't think he's the same eh, maybe he's the same type of athlete as Bilal muhammad um i don't think he's as good of a game planner as Bilal muhammad but i think the tape's out there for him to kind of repeat that Bilal muhammad fight stick a move stick a move stay on the outside shoot your takedowns and kind of get that top side and grapple again his top side grappling is good his, his top side pressure is good and and I could see Luke hitting him with a shot that you know does hurt him. Luke is a, Luke is a punishing fighter. He's not going to gas out. He will be in there. He does throw good knees. He has very good Muay Thai, vicious Muay Thai, good straight punches. He will throw check counter hooks. Um, I do like RDA's leg kicking. I do like RDA. RDA will kick the legs, kick the legs, kick the head. And I think he's just going to leg kick Luke at range and then try to crash the distance and try to grapple him up against the cage. Um, I like the odds too. Again, minus one twenty is 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 fine, and I bet you it'll it'll start getting closer to. A, it's already basically damn near a pick 'em, but I bet you by the by the end of this week when it closes out, um, it'll probably be a pick 'em. Moving on to the next fight that I want to talk about is Khalil Roundtree versus Chris Dowkaus. We have Dowkaus um, making his long-awaited uh, debut at light heavyweight. Uh, Sidebar, it's kind of funny because Khalil Roundtree used to be a fat guy that used MMA to get into shape. And Chris Dalkhouse was a fat guy fighting in MMA. Um, now they've both gotten into shape and they're both at 205. Khalil Roundtree looks like a freaking specimen. And I'm curious to see what Dalkhouse looks like um, at light heavyweight. I think he probably should have always been here. Um I know I gave the odds. Dowcast is plus 150. Khalil Roundtree is minus 175. I agree with those odds. Um, Dowcast is, is a strange dude because I think that I don't think he's going to suffer from the weight, you know, moving down a weight as much as someone like Tanner Bozier because Tanner Bozier just has a weird. Tanner Bozier is a dude that has like 30 pro fights and just like not getting better. Um, Curious to see um, how Dalkos looks. Dalkos is a dude that always relied on his blitzes. We talk about, you know, the Blocko blitz from Jan Blachowicz, but Dalkos really, really relied on his blitzing ability and his hand speed at heavyweight. And that's what, you know, was he a bigger guy? Was he kind of a chubby guy at heavyweight? Totally was. But his hand speed, his power was decent. And just his blitzes forward were were always, were always you know, something he really relied on to catch those bigger guys kind of slipping. Um, Roundtree is a guy that is just 
everything Roundtree does is super punishing. And when when Roundtree like wants to be a mean kickboxer, he's a dude that got knocked out by Johnny Walker, went to Thailand to like learn Muay Thai and like really has employed that. There are losses on his record. Like I think Khalil Roundtree could go out and knock out Johnny Walker. I think he could go out there and knock out Iwan Kutalaba. His loss to Marcin Pragnio was super weird. When you look at his fight with like Eric Anders, look at Marcin Pragnio. Khalil Roundtree should beat the shit out of should beat the shit out of Marcin Pragnio. He's more athletic, has all the power, and he just kind of like shit the bed there. Um, he's a guy that's I, I don't want to call someone that um suffers from you know mental health issues or anyone like that a head case but he's always been a guy that's really been you know when he wants to show up when Khalil Roundtree's a killer Khalil Roundtree is a killer there is nights where I watch Khalil Roundtree fight and I'm like yeah this dude could kickbox with the world champion he is he is that guy like you know he he killed Paul he killed Paul Craig his knockout win against Gokan Saki. He was an underdog in that fight. Again, that was back in 2018 um, on the Miocic versus Cormier card. But his knockout against Gokan Saki. Gokan Saki is like a super high-level kickboxer that transitioned to MMA. And just Khalil Roundtree deaded him. His fight against Eric Anders, like, that was one of the worst one-sided ass whoopings you'll see in a cage. What he did to Modestus Bukowskis. Shout out to Modestus Bukowskis for earning his way back to the UFC. But that, that, Sherdog has it as a leg kick, but it was like a, kind of what, like an oblique teep kick that hyperextended Bukowskis' knee. So vicious. Bukowskis planted his weight down on the front foot and Roundtree basically just stepped forward and stomped his knee, hyperextended his knee backward, inward, violent, like it's hard to watch and I feel bad for Bukowskis. And then what he did to Carl Roberson, he hurt Carl Roberson and the body kicks like Khalil Roundtree is one dude where like he, he's going to body kick. He also did it on the ultimate fighter where if, if you're on the ground and you're expecting to grapple with him, you know, fighters will kick the legs, kick the legs. He'll kind of cut an angle and he will soccer kick you in the ribs. It's violent. You know, we we did talk about his Dustin Jacoby fight. I thought he lost against Jacoby. Um, either way, it's a win on his record. And it, it was a very, very close fight where we had two pretty high-level technical kickboxers going back and forth. Um, and for Dalkhouse, it's, you know, he, he got knocked out by Derek Lewis, got knocked out by Curtis Blades. He got knocked out by Jarzinho Rosenstrike. All those three fights were, like, a, a, his knockout against Rosenstrike was at 23 seconds into the first round. Like, that's not a good look. Rosenstrike is a huge power puncher. All three of those dudes are huge dudes. And and Curtis Blades, you know, is a guy that has been working on his striking, and he's a, he's a giant man. But, I, you know, he was on a pretty big knockout streak even prior to the UFC. He knocked out Parker Porter, knocked out Rodrigo Nascimento, knocked out Olenek, knocked out Shamil Abdurakimov. All of those dudes are not like Khalil Roundtree, though. Those guys are all big, lumbering, slow guys. You know, Alexei Olenek, slow as shit. Shamil Abdurakimov, slow as shit. Nasimento, a big, slow, not as slow, but probably the fastest dude out of all of them. And, and Parker Porter's Parker Porter. Oh, I love Parker Porter. We all love Parker Porter. Um, but Roundtree is just, I don't think his blitzing striking style is going to be very effective against Khalil Roundtree. Unfortunately for him, um, I could see, I could see Khalil Roundtree just meeting him in the middle and hitting him with a bigger shot. He could also hit Khalil Roundtree. Both of these dudes are guys that have been knocked out in the past. Um, and if the Marcin, if the Khalil Roundtree that fought Marcin Pracnio shows up, Dalkos is going to beat him. If the Khalil Roundtree that fought Eric Anders or Kyle Roberson shows up, Dalkhouse is screwed. And it just kind of depends on what Khalil Roundtree shows up. Dalkhouse kind of seems like an even dude. He's always going to show up the same. And I know this fight was supposed to happen and it was rebooked. I think that benefits Dalkhouse because, again, he was a dude that was, you know, 
I don't want to say he wasn't in fighting shape, but he was definitely a guy that was carrying some extra weight. So this only gives him more time to get into better shape physically. Um, Browntree just has more tools. Great leg kicks. Um, just, and he's more violent. I think he's got more tools for violence. His kicks are, you know, that, like, again, that that stepping oblique kick that he shredded Bukowskis with, the body kicks, the leg kicks, his punches are, you know, he just has more tools. And if it's going to be a striking match, I'm going to go with Roundtree. We could see Dachau's try to, try to maybe mix up some wrestling. I know I know he's also a BJJ guy, but I'm on Roundtree here. It's it's chalk. Minus 175 is not that bad of a number for Roundtree, but it depends on who shows up. Like, Roundtree, again, Roundtree that fought Eric Anders, he's a minus 300 favorite. The only reason why he's not more of a favorite, I believe, is you know, due to those weird fights that he had against like Kutalaba and 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 Pragnio. Moving on to the final fight of the card that I'm going to break down for you guys, and it's gonna it's a kind of random one, but I do like this fight. I do like one fighter in particular. Um, we got Marcus McGee versus JP Baez. Marcus McGee is coming in at minus three sixty. JP Baez is coming back to the UFC. At plus 285 here on this line. This is up a division from JP Baez's um, previous fights. He was fighting at 125. And Marcus McGee looked really good against Jernie Newsom. He took that fight on short notice. That was back in April 2023. Um, and kind of just beat the shit out of Jernie Newsom everywhere until he was able to, you know, get him to the ground and then submit him via rear naked choke. And his only loss on his record, he he's got a he's got a seven and one record. His only loss was back in 2022, so not too long ago, July 8th of 2022. He lost also via rear naked choke, but that was against a guy that it was an LFA. Rafael Donasimento is a guy that's nine and two. Like that's a pretty good record. Prior to that, he's got all finishes. He's a finisher. That's what he does. He's technical. Um, JP Bias. JP Bias is a guy that's coming out of the South African scene. Um, and he he went on a hard went on a hard run, and quite frankly, the you know Bruno Silva is a really really underrated flyweight. Not Bruno Silva middleweight. Bruno Silva flyweight. Like that dude might be one of the most underrated guys in the UFC. Um, he won via tech sub on the Contender Series back in 2020. Lost, got knocked out by Bruno Silva. Lost against Montel Jackson at 135. Montel Jackson's huge man. Giant guy, giant gloves, cracks. He hurt JP buys multiple times. I'm surprised he didn't finish JP buys, and he probably should have in that fight. Um, and then he lost, you know, he got knocked out by Cody Durden one minute into this one minute into the first round in his last timeout. That was June of 2022. So it's been about a year since we've seen him. He's back up at 135. I like um buys at 135, just based off of you know, based off of damage accrued and stuff like that. And he's got He's got decent wins. He definitely will try to he will try to wrestle. That's his thing. He's a wrestling guy. Um, he does have some submission wins. He also has some submission losses. A lot of rear naked chokes. That's kind of JP buys his game. Take you down, force you to scramble, take your back in a scramble and and try to choke you. Um, he's got 14 fights to Marcus's eight. And Marcus is a little bit older for this division. He's he's 33. He definitely looks a little bit older than 33. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Um but I like what Marcus does. I like his striking. I like his, I like his ability to find that choke against someone like Journey Newsom. Um, he is a heavy favorite, and I think that's just based off of JP Baez's performances so far in the UFC. Poor JP Baez though has had you know a very tough go as far as his career and his life. You know he was with Cheyenne Baez or Velismus for a while, and that went bad. And you know he was married her and that all went south and then all those losses kind of got stacked up against him um i thought he was cut from the uc maybe he was cut and they're bringing him back for this one um so good on him it, hopefully his life is, is sorted out now and he's he's at a better he's you know just in a better place mentally to take on someone like marcus mcgee marcus mcgee is probably going to go out there and put a jab on him um throw the cross behind the jab 
try to employ his own wrestling. I think he can outstrike JP buys. I think he can scramble with buys. He's going to be the bigger dude. He's going to be more powerful. Um, and I think his, his knockout, I think he's probably going to knock out buys again. Um, unfortunately for buys, I, I do believe um, I'm going to go McGee second round knockout. Um, yeah, I just think JP buys his durability. I don't think he's going to be able to, to employ his wrestling against McGee. And I think, Again, McGee is probably just going to hurt him with something on the feet. Um, and there's pretty good fights on this card. Like, Cub Swanson's back. Um, I, I was going to do Cub Swanson versus Hakeem Duwadu, but I wanted to give these guys some more shine. I love bantamweights. I love flyweights. I think it's just fun MMA. And everyone's going to be talking about Cub Swanson. No one's going to be talking about McGee and, and Buys. So shout out to those guys. Um, Bellator has got a card this weekend, too, coming up. Um, Pollyanna Vienna is in a fight against Yasmin Lucindo. That should be a fun fight. Uh, T-Rex, Terrence McKinney, um, he's back. Short notice replacement for, um, against Mike, against Mike Breeden. Uh, Francis the Fireman Marshall's back. Uh, we got the heavyweight slobber knocker, uh, Josh Parisian versus Martin Budai. Uh, the, the car opener, um, Montserrat Conejo versus Jacqueline Amarim. That should be a, a pretty decent, like, women's 115 wrestling grappling fight. Um, either way, you know, decent card, not the best. Weekend after that, we got the pay-per-view, Sean O'Malley versus Aljo. I will be recapping this card for you guys next Monday night, so it'll be available for you guys on Tuesday, and then I will be talking about the pay-per-view coming up. I'll probably have Greg on that one. Um, I always try to wrangle Greg in for the pay-per-views. Um, I appreciate all of you guys for listening. Please subscribe to SureDog on YouTube if you haven't. Um, like this. Shoot me a comment. Um, feel free to find me on social media. My social media is DevGoesFishing. That is on all platforms. Um, not very active on Twitter. I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, I'll try to be more active on Twitter for y'all. Um, shoot me a message if you ever have any questions or, or anything or you just want to, you know, tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Either way, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and enjoy the fights.